Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to another special breaking edition of Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. Um, this is a follow-up to last week's episode where Coots watched Batman v Superman for the first time ever. Welcome back, Coots. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to get a dissenting opinion out into the geekverse on this movie. Of course, this movie we refer to now is that was all lead up to the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Woo! Which took the internet by storm with, I think, believe 1.9 million views, which I don't even know how that, I don't know how they calculate that. It wasn't them who calculated it. I don't know if that's good or not. I don't know. Cause I don't know what the numbers were for, uh, actually that's the whole thing. I was thinking of coming to America hit a year record. Right. Any yeah. Movie, but I don't know what their numbers were for that. Yeah, either, Amazon, so. Amazon prime was stoked for that, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, at some level you have to think that maybe, I mean, it's successful, quote unquote, in the eyes of HBO and Warner Brothers. But are they making revenue from this? Are they getting more subscribers? To That's HBO the question. Max? And how successful do you? I mean, it's critically successful. They have a lot of 1.9 million is nothing to scoff at. But sure, you know how you make your money is how many people signed up for it who weren't already signed up, and how many will stay with HBO Max after they've finished watching it five or six times or whatever they're. Oh, super fans plan is, I don't know. If you're a super uh, fan. An entire, day of, <laughs> an entire day of your life devoted to five viewings of this movie because it's so effing long. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get into it then? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I don't, I, you know, I started off last time with Batman versus Superman almost going like beat for beat. And I don't think that I want to do that. And I don't think it's possible. It's too long. <laughs> it's too long to do. It's too crazy. But we tried to do chapter by chapter on Breaking Geek. But even then, like at the end, we're like, we got to go faster. Got to go faster. This is a two yeah. and a half hour podcast. <laughs> exactly. So I will throw out a couple things that really jumped out to me. <clears throat> Obviously, right off the bat, like the movie starts off with the warning that it's going to be presented in four by three. To protect his vision. <laughs> His artistic vision, it says. I made me laugh. And oh yeah, absolutely. It made me crack up laughing. And I, I actually paused the movie like on the first shot, I paused it and I was like, that can't. And I went out to Twitter and I read a couple articles and places and I was like, so this is the setting? Like this is what we're doing now. And it's four three IMAX. And he <laughs> and, yeah, who fucking puts who had, nobody has IMAX at home, obviously. And it, there was some quote somewhere about Zack Snyder saying, I was just so concerned that how am I going to fit all these superheroes into one shot? Uh, so I needed more vertical space in the in the frame. And I'm like, I don't know. All the Marvel directors figured out how to do it. 
you think it'd be easier to have a lineup in heroes and a widescreen shot? Like, exactly. I, like at the end of this movie, it had to keep panning and panning and panning before it could fit all six in for, you know, for the superhero shot at the yeah. end where they're just standing there and like looking at the horizon. It's extremely bizarre. And I'm like, so I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, cool. And as I wrote here in my notes, like literally, so like we get the title card that says like part one. And I was like, are we really doing parts here? There's really six parts. And I wrote next to my notes, like part one, Zack Snyder's ego. This entire thing, the entire way this is structured, the four, three thing, all of it is, is an exercise in maximizing Zack Snyder's ego. And it's crazy to watch. Uh, it, it drives me absolutely fucking bonkers, to be quite honest with you. And, you know, in that same interview where he talked about the four, three thing, he said, uh, am I a bit of a provocateur? Maybe I am. <laughs> okay, guy. Okay, dude. So that's what we're doing here. So anyway, um, my overarching like thing that I have to mention here right off the top is that I feel like this movie is a crazy jigsaw of scenes that don't fit together. They mostly don't fit together. There are multiples. And this is something that you and I talked about a little bit on Twitter, but there are multiple, like I couldn't count them on one hand, multiple scenes that don't have anything to do with the rest of the movie. It seems like. And this is is, funny uh, for the audience that they haven't listened to the last one. He's Kutz has never seen the original cut of justice league. Yeah, no, that's what most people would say about that version, especially. Yeah. and, And there's so much stuff where I'm sitting there wondering, did I need to see the previous movie to know what's going on here? Would I think that this movie is better? Had I seen the previous cut? Would I think this movie is better if I was a DC fanboy and knew what the fuck a mother box was? I don't know. I don't know. I, I would consider myself a bit of a geek. I have a Star Wars tattoo. I'm not completely outside the universe of geekdom. I've read various graphic novels. I've read Hush, you know, from Batman Hush. And I've read all this shit. I don't know what the fuck a mother box is. I sure as hell don't know what the anti-life equation is. And so this scene just seemed like, or this movie seemed like a menagerie of unrelated things that have no place in the context of the greater movie and to that end my fiance and i were talking about this very podcast last night okay mm-hmm. i said hey i'm i'm uh, i'm doing uh <clears throat> i'm gonna do a little hour or whatever with nick from lrm we're gonna talk about Zack snyder's justice league and she said are you excited about doing it and she's like like the sweetest like most innocent question asker of all time are you excited and i was like not really why why aren't you excited because i'm not stoked to talk about this movie because i didn't enjoy it and it makes me wonder like what does it mean to be a good movie or a bad movie how much of it is subjective versus objective because objectively this movie's bad and i don't know how anyone can argue that on twitter or anywhere else i don't know how heroic hollywood puts out the bullshit that they do jerking off this movie like they do it's unbelievable shots fired across the bow but (laughs) I don't know how you can say this movie is objectively good. Subjectively, you know, I, I get it. If Batman's your dude, if Superman's your dude, if Wonder Woman's your girl, and you just want to live to see them in a live action film, that's fine. But there's no way that you can argue that this movie is is in any way coherently put together. And it just makes you wonder, like, how does a good movie get made? And what I come back to is that innovation comes from restraint, Right. Knowing that as a director, you have to make a film palatable. You have to make any piece of artwork palatable. 
whether it's a song, whether it's a movie, whether it's a literal piece of like oil on canvas, you can't create a 20 minute song and expect it's going to get a lot of radio play. Not that radio play defines success, but you can't make a sprawling Grateful Dead-esque epic and expect it's going to, you know, be successful or be something that people care about because after a certain amount of time, people just lose interest. That's what this movie is. When you don't have the constraints of that normal movies do, what is the determining factor on excising parts of your film or making them fit together? And it becomes this weird abstract like project where uh, there's just things bolted onto the side and it's just, there's nothing that helps you determine what it needs to be. It's crazy. What I'll say, um, in case people didn't hear the two, the two and a half hour episode, I liked it the least out of the four of us. And I gave it a C plus or seven out of 10, which originally I had as a 3.5 out of five, but then I doubled it to be easy. Um, I expected to hate it completely. I hated the first half of it because I had seen the other Justice League and that's basically watching the first movie over again. Yeah. Which, but and then I watched it again the next day with my friend because I promised him I would and I liked it a lot better the second time. And I would say, yes, as a DC, so I would say you would have liked you would be able to compare it to Justice League, the other one, if you'd seen the other one. And this one is better, but I think you would have liked it less for the same reason I liked it less having seen the other one. As I was like, Ugh, I'm re watching the same movie until I get to you know, kind of the second half. And um, and it does help to be like, I knew. I'm not, I'm a big Batman fan, but not a big DC fan out of that. I mean, okay. outside of that, I read Constantine, I read Batman. I could care less about the Justice League because Batman doesn't get enough pages with a Justice League book. Okay. Um, but I did know going in, you know, Dark Seed, I mean, Dark Side, I still call him Dark Seed sometimes. That's how it's spelled um, almost. Uh, Mother Boxes. And as for me, it was exciting to see Boom Tubes, which is what those are called when Stephen Wolf just, you know, disappears. Because, but oh. yeah. Um, to your point about, I had to argue with the other guys about the four hour movie thing where they're like, why not? It's an extended cut. And I'm like, you do not make that movie assuming it'll ever make its way to movie theaters. Like discuss for the ultimate cut. It's like you write a movie that will, if you want to write that as two separate movies, like kill bill fine, but you do not write a six and shoot a four hour movie expecting it to ever get released anywhere. Yeah, 100%. That's an idiotic move. And I think that to your point, I think a lot of the issues that I have with this movie, to be honest, could be fixed if they had just done two movies or if the DCEU had, you know, had other movies. Like, I'm not going to say they should have just done what Marvel did because there's other models that you can come up with to make this successful but you're just trying to cram too many things into one movie. It's actually quite simple. It's that simple. There's too much shit here. It's and that's the thing. I do think they should have done a little bit what Marvel did because you don't need a four hour movie if you already know more about The Flash and yeah. Cyborg. And- I have major issues with those scenes in particular. And you know what the biggest, I have a major issue right off the bat with the uh, Wonder Woman intro. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty confident that the Wonder Woman film, her solo film, had already come out, right? Yes, when, between when, Batman and Superman and Justice right. So I get that we needed maybe an intro to remind us that she exists before she gets into her first battle or something. 
but the scene in the museum or whatever the hell that was i actually don't know if it's a museum or a bank or i have no uh, idea what it is parliament whatever the fuck it doesn't doesn't need to be in this movie at all there's no one redeeming quality in this scene except for the blocking bullets that's fine that's cool that's fun great but it's literally laughable that uh they're they're reactionary terrorists what does that mean i wonder if that's some kind of i found myself wondering is that some kind of veiled shot at people who don't like the dceu that they wrote, <laughs> wrote into this screenplay uh they're re, just react so so basically it's a hand wave away uh we need some bad guys we need We're some going bad to guys. reset the world order by yeah, blowing okay. up four blocks oh yeah cool I'll kill some kids that's fine sure uh and so um anyway they, there's a lot of really bizarre musical cues in this movie and the wonder woman cue whenever she shows up or does no no not that one it's one that go it's like a, a guttural tribal they do that two times in this fucking movie and it drove me crazy and it starts with this scene and there's nothing that has anything to do with this scene with the rest of the movie not at all okay and that happens again later on with the flash i get it we haven't seen the flash we need to introduce him let's have a hot dog dog walker scene where the one female in that scene that he cares about doesn't even get a line of dialogue and we just watch slow-mo uh once again zach snyder let's go slow-mo let's go epic score and that's filmmaking baby welcome to hollywood well in that scene it's a song but like and yeah, you, you, you do Quicksilver, you use slow-mo. That was way, that slow motion was so long, it was the entire length of the song. It's like a five-minute sequence of no one else moving except for him. Yeah, and he's only rescuing one person. It's not like running around a room. And it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie. It's and setting up future movies that aren't going to happen. I, I, I only, mean, that's what's I weird. It's setting up The Flash because that's Iris West. Becomes his girlfriend. Don't know who that and is. she's still the same actress in the Flash movie. Cool. So, Great. like, it's Great setting up her. stuff maybe, you don't know about. And you don't. Maybe she'll get yet. some dialogue in the movie that she's in, the other movie that she's in. That'd be. We'll cool. say she wasn't in the other cut at all. Like, Flash wasn't introduced until Bruce Wayne went to him and Justice. And you know, you know why? You know why she wasn't in the other cut? You know why that scene wasn't in the other cut? Because it didn't do anything for the rest of the movie. And when Zack Snyder sat there with everybody else. And when Joss Whedon, I guess, sat there with everybody else and they had to make some decisions on what to leave on the cutting room floor, somebody raised their hand and said, what about the scene that doesn't contribute to the rest of the movie? Because that's what this scene, that's, that's why it got cut, because it doesn't matter. Now, Nick, I'd like to posit for you maybe some alternate reality things that could have happened here with right. both this intro to Wonder Woman scene and the Flash scene. Diana works at a museum, right? She is a curator. Maybe, uh, maybe in this scenario, the mother box, which are you know, that's one of the one of the two MacGuffins in this film. There's three mother boxes and one anti-life equation. What if the mother box that the humans or the men, or maybe even the the one that the Atlanteans, uh, any any of the three, it doesn't matter. You can write this into the script. It's stored for safekeeping under the watchful eye of Diana in the museum that she curates. Mm. Okay. And so we get an, in, we can, you could write a scene where you get the same thing. We get some terrorists 
who are doing terrorist bullshit. They don't know that the mother box is there, but because Diana perceives there to be a threat to the one thing that she's supposed to be watching, she springs into action and helps people out. And we can have an intro to the mother boxes and kind of what is her motivating factor and, and, ha- and an intro that shows her powers and reintroduces her. You could do all that in one scene. And that way you could also like, maybe you could even make Steppenwolf's first attack on earth, not at Themyscira with Diana's sisters and her mother, but you could have that be the scene where Steppenwolf first shows up and attacks and takes that mother box. Okay. Now you've chopped off 20 minutes of runtime. Granted, you don't have a big action sequence like you get to have on Themyscira where they're running around doing horses and bow and arrow bits and stuff like that but you get the intro that you need, you get an action sequence and you get the exposition of what a mother box is and why it's important. You could have done that, but they didn't do that. They didn't do that. And allegedly they're smarter than me, but no, let's have, tell you what, let's cut it all up. We're going to do all these things as different scenes with the flash. We could have done something similar, not necessarily with mother boxes, but there's other ways to fit him into the story where we don't just have this complete vacuum story that seems to take place in a parallel universe that has never ever ever fucking been mentioned ever in this movie before central city i don't know the fuck that is i'm sure that's where he's from in the comics yeah do you know how dumb the comic naming thing is no aquaman's from bay city Mm. like all that's except for like gotham metropolis all the fictional towns are like central city bay city Uh, i think suicide squad took place in one of those just generically named cities So yeah, I have some major problems with that sort of stuff. And I just feel like there could have been a way that they could have done this differently. There is a good movie somewhere in this four hours. And if they would have just put the puzzle together differently and thought about different things and maybe had somebody come in and say, hey, what if we rewrite some of this to be more efficient? They could have made a better movie, but they chose not to do that. That's not my fault. And you know what part of the problem was as far as like, them letting Zack Snyder go too far as they were already shooting this movie before Batman v Superman came out. So they didn't even have any fan reaction at all. And they were already shooting a completed script. That's unbelievable. They were like two weeks in before the movie even came out the previous movie. Cause that was his vision. He had this like five film vision. No, I think it's six film vision or something. Hey, I'd be in for that. I'd be in for that. But this was supposed to be an entire film. It just, it's, it's like a work cut. I keep calling, calling it to a work print where he just, he seemed to use every bit of footage he had on the ground. It's like, yep, absolutely. In addition to extra slow motion, like usually you, you could say it's his artistic choice and moody, but you watch every character open a door, close the door, walk down the street, open yeah. them like the stuff you don't see in movies because it's not like you could right. easily chop 30 minutes without losing a single scene just by removing some slow motion and cutting the scenes you normally wouldn't see in that sort of scene. hundred percent. Like the opening sequence. It's a shot from Batman v Superman that lasts for eight minutes because it slowed down so much. Right. Yeah. And God, so, okay. All right. So yeah. <laughs> that was another musical cue. Are you referring to the Iceland part? Oh, then that's even better. Okay. So <laughs> a lot of weird musical cues here. <laughs> the Iceland girls singing. What am I supposed to think about this? It's all There's... about the sweater sniffing, man. It's like the that new was... Martha moment. I can't bizarre. wait to see how that be a meme. 
right? That's the when most I, ridiculous part. Like when I point to one part, I'm like, she sniffs the sweater. I honestly, I'd sniff Jason Momoa's sweater too. But seriously, what the hell was going on in this scene? I it just he's hiking. Well, I'm presumably Iceland or somewhere like that. I don't know, but we're introduced. Is this the first introduction to Aquaman in the DCEU? Yes. Okay. So I thought that was all quite bizarre and I, I just, I couldn't figure out what was the motivating factor here for Bruce Wayne to do any of this at all. But I guess I, maybe my, maybe those sort of concerns were satiated later on in the movie, but I thought, I thought it was a weird introduction to, to the character of Aquaman. And I kept wondering if there was something I hadn't seen already, because it just dove right in and it just, it's almost like it literally, (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like it required, or it it was relying on us to just be like, Oh, that's Jason Momoa plays Iron Man or Aquaman. Now I, you know, like he didn't do anything interesting. There was a, maybe a line of dialogue that was like, they say that on the king tide, a man brings food for the village. And I'm sitting here wondering, like, how many villages out there probably need that food? Is he just picking this one? That's why I like Alfred's joke later. Or when he, Alfred assumes he didn't meet him. And he's like, can we catch the next king tide when it's somewhere warmer? <laughs> yeah, like Costa Rica or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do love Alfred and Bruce. I think that's my favorite Alfred yeah, and Bruce combo, where he's just like, he just assumes Bruce Wayne failed. <laughs> That's uh, that's definitely a, a stronger point of this movie. I found myself being pretty okay with Ben Affleck's uh, Bruce Wayne and Jeremy Irons' uh, uh, Alfred, for it's sure. just so mean to Bruce, but in a good way. Like, that's how they're... The best way they're written in the comics is when Alfred's, like, very, like, po- poking him. I mean, yeah. Michael Caine does that, too. Right. But. Yeah, I, I, I was okay with that. I mean... um, Yeah. It was, I mean, it's fine. At this point, I'm just rolling through the movie. We continue on. I'm, when we get to the Themyscira part and we get the introduction to the mother box, I, I literally had no idea what I was looking at. I was like, okay, I guess this is, it's a bunch of women arrayed around a cube that seems to be uh, threatening. I have no idea what actually made it wiggle, but it seemed like it was the opening scene where Lex Luthor, I don't know, that was the part in Batman versus Superman ultimate cut that you referred to where there's a hologram, I guess, of Steppenwolf and holding three boxes, but you're like, what the fuck is that? Mean? Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> Unless then, you read the comics, you're like, what is this? Yeah. And then they wiggled. And apparently the one that's uh, on Themyscira is here's the wiggle. Apparently the other ones didn't, I don't know, but uh, anyway, it wiggled. And so now all the warriors are arrayed around it and Steppenwolf comes out from the boom tube, but also we get the, uh, the parademons. And I have some pretty severe issues with the parademons. For one thing, why the fuck are all the goons and uh, lackeys and henchmen in both this movie and Batman versus Superman four winged uh, bee people. Do you remember the nightmare scene in Batman? Versus yeah, those Superman? are parademons too in the nightmare sequence. Were we supposed to know what that was? If you were a comic fan, <laughs> oh. otherwise, yeah. Oh, I. Oh, okay. Because parademons are always dark sides, like minions. So those. Were, that's a comic thing. <laughs> so those were parademons in Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Okay. And there were regular troops in Batman v Superman. They had the Superman, like regular humans with guns in that scene too. When they yeah, were I remember that raiding the camp. Yeah, those were yeah, parademons. I remember they're like when they're. 
transporting like, some kryptonite maybe or something in that scene and there i remember four winged guys and i'm like but they seem like they're riding jetpacks or something that had four wings and then the the parademons start flying out of the boom tube and i'm like it's the same design like why are we so obsessed with four winged men but if you're telling me that this is something from the comics then all right I'll well that's what i'm saying they're the same creatures right. that's why all they right. look at the same or similar they still look they're, different because because why not right you redesigned a lot of stuff so <laughs> i had justice league so there's a bit of expositional dialogue during part four and this is i think the the scene where we finally have all of the i was about to say avengers all of the justice leaguers <laughs> uh it's like the, league. the fucking corniest thing i've ever seen in my life where they're all standing around a table looking at a map and we just put the camera on rails and just go around them where they each say their piece of expositional dialogue. Do you recall that they're like, yeah, in, yeah. Oh, yeah. they're like in the hangar with Bruce's standing jet. around the mother box, right? Yeah. Or something. And so Diana starts talking about parademons and she refers to them as parademons. And she says that they can sense the mother box. And at this point, how does she know that they're called parademons? And how does she know that they have a sense that allows them to sniff out? There's a, the, there's a part of dialogue here where it doesn't make any sense because there's no way that she could have known that. The I, word parademon yeah. is only ever used by uh, Steppenwolf between him and his goons on a, a dark side and whoever else the dude is, which I've done a little bit of reading apocalypse people. Appa- apparently there's a planet called apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Like lips, like and they're the mouth. new gods. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Why not? So they're the new gods. To from be fair, pl- new gods from, plan- th- from planet lips by the same guy who created Thanos. <laughs> See, that's weird. Which one was created first, Thanos or Dark Side? I think Dark Side. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm not sure though. The movies, obviously, Marvel got to go first and pick their design. Right. So uh, yeah, th- I, there's just a lot of stuff that res- that relies on expositional dialogue or you trying to oh actually sorry i was wrong different creator um but the guy jack kirby who does the new gods if you look at the comics it looks like a dr strange comic Mm. because he's known for like the dr strange type of weird cosmic shit we're like really trippy psychedelic in fact in the comics dark side looks like that stephen wolf looks like a man yeah and he's his, uh, he's Darkseid's uncle in the comics. Oh yeah, okay, sure. Hey, he looks question. like he's white skin, like a red beard, like a helmet. Can I ask you about Stephen Wolf, Stephen Wolf, real quick? Yeah. Um, so in the original cut of this movie, was he ju- did he just like uh, obviously it's motion captured CGI stuff? But I don't did think he have it's like, even motion capture. I think it's just was it man and voice. I don't think it. It was just his voice. I think. So what did they do? Did he look completely different in the original version? Because I've seen a, I've seen like trailers where he looked completely not. Yeah, the same. basically the armor is not there, and it's just it looks like this looks expensive. That looked like a very cheap. Like we're not spending any money on this. Like close to Doomsday quality, where it's like this is he's kind of just like he's got. You can't tell what's armor and what's actually him, and his face is like there's no texture to his face, like this one or like a Thanos or anything. It just looked sloppy. Weird. So they did improve. The visuals definitely improved for characters like him. And he was the only villain in the original. There's he's there's the mother boxes are never called mother. 
In fact, it confuses the audience because he never says mother box either. He calls them mother. What? Or people are like, what the fuck? And the only mention of dark side is he says for dark side once. Unless you're a comic fan, you're like, is that like a Star uh, Wars reference? Is he like on the dark side? Like, what right. the fuck's this guy talking did, about? Did the DC fanboys go crazy and say, that's a hit towards the next movie, bro? Basically. They're going to they're gonna bring in dark side. And of course, I guess Snyder already did it in his cut. But that, right. that was one of the notes that Whedon got was like, and that's why at the beginning it also says like, it has new villains and stuff. If you're looking at like the description. Yeah. Because yeah, this is the way it was always written. In fact, the original cut, it is Stefan Wolf who's on Earth at the beginning. There's no dark side. He's just there with his axe. Generally um, speaking, I, I'm okay with that setup, but uh, are you familiar with the concept of the uh, of uh, Chekhov's gun? Yes. If you show a rifle on the mantelpiece at the beginning of the movie, somebody needs to take that rifle off the mantelpiece and use it. Like at the Winchester. The of- exactly. Exactly. So we should have gotten dark side in the end. And what they could have done was just, uh, you know, Hey, uh, right when, right when Superman beats Steppenwolf's ass and they break his uh, horn thing off or whatever, dark side should have just stepped through the portal. He could have jumped through the portal yeah. anytime. <laughs> and, yeah. It could have been that simple. Let's rumble baby. And maybe they, you know, we have four more minutes of fighting where we're all of our heroes are working together to actually defeat the bad guy. And maybe Darkseid escapes, you know, with a wounded ego or whatever. And boom, now that leads into clearly our villain is somebody who can uh, rumble with us and survive and he escapes and that sets up your sequel movie. But even they didn't even do that. That's how lazy. And I'm saying they could have done that in the Zack Snyder cut. Why didn't they? Why did they not? It was written. (laughs) Why didn't they have Darkseid just jump through and say, all right, let's go. That is weird because it's like a Thanos tease where he's just kind of like, oh, now I'd be more careful. Like when at the end where he's like, we'll do it the old fashioned way, ready the armada. But yeah, when you're watching it, you're like, he could jump through that boom tube at any point and help. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he's not, I guess he's even more badass. He jumps through, he murders Stefan Wolf, and then he fights the Justice League. Yeah, exactly. You failed, fucker. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm like sitting here watching all these people argue online about how badass Darkseid is. And I'm like, he literally never did anything he never did anything he got stabbed in the shoulder just like thanos and then ran away (laughs) yeah are you uh, he lost to uh zeus and Ares and uh, a green lantern in the bizarre prologue that happened in the middle of the movie but other than that dark side never does anything so i'm sorry guys i just don't buy him as a badass he uh he looked through the boom tube he said you know what i don't want any of that and turned around and said i guess i'll gather my army first so i don't know not scared of him not scared of him. can we talk by the way about that bizarre uh prologue scene that was in the middle of the film i think it's pretty yeah I mean, it's basically like a Lord of the Wing. Like, it feels so Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Like, I'm throwing people. I'm just, th- just shooting my arm by and throwing men across the screen. And So that is exactly what I wrote down in my notes. That uh, I, I wrote um, that it was a prologue one hour in, and I wrote Isildur? Question <laughs> mark. Because we get the... <laughs> 
this generic Viking looking that we have the, the men and the Atlanteans and the Amazons, very similar to the men and dwarves and elves and Lord of the Rings. And we take the rings of power in all the different directions. And obviously yeah, they get a mother box and they're yeah, like, exactly. the men bury it a few inches right. deep into yes. the dirt. <laughs> right. And so I it just, so Lord of the Rings very famously opens with that 11 minute prologue, just kind of setting up the universe. It's narrated by Kate Blanchett as Galadriel and we get all the backstory that we need at that time and then we see later on in some of the movies mostly in fellowship of the ring where elrond says i was there gandalf i was there 3000 years ago and we get the flashback that's 30 seconds long of him saying destroy it cast it into the fire <laughs> and isildur says no and he just walks away and all of this struck me as very Lord of the Ringsian when this movie just an hour in, okay, now we need some expositional dialogue. What have we even been doing this whole hour? Let's go back and review. And so we get a Green Lantern, which I did see that. I know what that means. And we get, I don't know, who's that? Ares and Zeus? Yeah, the old gods, as they called them in the comics. Because, oh, yeah, wow. they're the, they're the yeah, those are Earth's gods and the new gods are like apocalypse gods. Stephen sure. Wolf. The, the, the woman next to him is called Granny Goodness. That's her actual name. That's when they show in there. And it kind of sucks because uh, Tom King, who's a great comic writer who wrote Vision, and uh, uh, his other one he wrote, won an Eisner Award for was uh, God, Mr. Miracle. And like those are all those, all those characters in that one are the new gods. Um, and he's, writing, he's co writing a script with. Ava DuVray or whatever her name is mm -hmm. called new gods. Okay. So I feel like Snyder kind of fucked them by putting them back into the universe, even though it's not continuity. Cause now people are going to look at the designs of the new gods in the, the more funny movie written by these two, which I almost played for more of a joke because like there's a scene in his comic where the people of apocalypse are trying to meet with another planet and they have a dinner. So, and they make a joke about how dark side is double dipping. Like, cause they're all like, they have like a, a veggie, like they're making a joke out of it. We're like, they're all there. Dark side's eating out of a veggie tray. Like that's, that's what in, I, that's in the comics. Yeah. That's an A comp because like, and it's and that's the kind of movie I'd rather see when it comes to the new gods is like, <laughs> but in fact, I wrote that on Twitter. I'm like, Oh great. Well, I saw the trailers. I'm like, Zack Snyder just took the new gods away from the team. That's actually writing it. And then Ava DuVray or whatever her name is, you know, director of like Selma, and those right. movies started following me because it's just Zack wow. Snyder and was like, what about her version? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, let's talk about Cyborg. Let's talk about Cyborg. What a, what a, what a situation. Um, what to even say. Um, okay. So first of all, I would like to note that I have, again, didn't see the original cut. So I have no idea what was in that versus what's in this, but I will tell you that, I thought he was a fairly interesting and compelling character because he didn't ha he didn't really seem like he had um, that intro scene that Wonder Woman and Flash had that was completely irrelevant to the story. Instead, his intro was the football one and all that sort of stuff, but also his dad used a mother box to save him. I have some problems with that. But um, he seemed relevant to the storyline. Like he had a reason to be there. And so for that reason alone, I thought he was more compelling than 
most of the other characters in the movie. But I think the way he was treated in this is really weird. First of all, I have a lot of nitpicky issues. First of all, who, what college football player wears a Letterman jacket? That's really bizarre. It's like Zack Snyder <laughs> like saw a high school football player wearing a Letterman jacket in a movie one time and decided that's what football players do. And so he's got a Letterman jacket on in college, which I don't think that really works. And I really, I, I was audibly chuckling when, <laughs> when in his, you know, kind of like 10 minute scene where we get to really know him, he decides he's going to help out the, uh, the, the uh, mother who needs financial assistance. He's hacked the ATM and he's standing eight feet away from the ATM machine, staring at this woman as she takes out money. Nick, have you ever been to an ATM machine at night to take out some money? Did yeah. you feel did you feel comfortable if there was a man standing eight feet behind you watching you take out the money? Especially not in Gotham. <laughs> it's just like, like LA like, was like that. I'm like, uh. the camera pans over and it's just a man with a glowing eye watching you take money out. That would scare the shit out of me. That seems really weird. You couldn't have put him like maybe, I don't know, like on a building. A rooftop. Other, yeah. A rooftop, you know, something. it up. What a fucking bizarre choice. That's so freaking weird. I think it's only there so that it's like, I did this great thing and then everyone else looks at him and is like, what the fuck? <laughs> We've seen some weird shit, but this guy's half robot. Yeah. That's what also always strikes me about Marvel and DC movies. People see something weird and they freak out like they've never seen anything weird before, but it's like, you've seen the news footage. Like, uh, you've seen aliens, you've seen Metropolis. androids. You've seen... Yeah. At this point, nothing's weird, man. Um, what? Uh, so... Did Dr. Silas Stone steal his son's body from a hospital? He must or how have. Does it, how he does must that have. work? Because we see, what was that? We call it the upper torso. From I, don't, I don't know how above, he's alive. Above his belly button. And maybe we get one arm in his leg. And he's like on uh, a, a wall. A wall? wall. What is that? I, is Dr. Silas Stone, like what is his, what is his uh, scientific skill set is he uh, an engineer is that why he works for star labs is he a uh, perhaps an astrophysicist with a minor in xenobiology or something like what does he do but sounded like it was something like that where he's like i'm here to research the alien shit i'm a civilian it but it doesn't sound like he's qualified to bring his son's body back from life back to life but uh hey you know what let's steal half of him let's take him to the star labs thing and use alien technology to rebuild him. And it's definitely like an Ultron moment, only it goes okay. Like, it's the same thing in Ultron. It's like, we're going to, let's do this. We have to save yeah. Earth. Let's use this thing we don't understand at all to create a new creature. For me, it really strains plausibility. But then again, we're watching a science fiction film. I get that at some point you have to say, okay, I'm suspending my disbelief to a certain degree because, uh, hey, we need the force and we need lightsabers. You know what I mean? Like if your universe sets up consistent rules and then sticks to them, I have no problem with it. That's the main reason why in the latest Star Wars movie, whatever the fuck it was, I already tried to forget all about it. Rise of Skywalker. Number nine. We've had eight, eight to 10 movies, eight movies in the Skywalker saga, plus Rogue One and Solo and numerous TV and comic book cartoons and all this sort of stuff. And never once has anyone teleported a lightsaber through space and into someone's hand. That's never happened. So you can't just change the rules in movie number nine. 
And I just, I have a problem with DC, just, there are no rules here. Hey, you know what? Let's have uh, the doctor steal a body and uh, the mother cube. We don't really know what it does, but uh, let's have it uh, bring this guy back. There's just too many deus ex machinas in this storyline where the mother cube does whatever you need it to do at this particular plot point because it's convenient. It's not, it can't just, it can't just do whatever you need it to do for the plot. That's ridiculous. It's a change machine. What a stupid piece of dialogue. Aquaman, the dumbest motherfucker ever who we think is supposed to think is cool because he drinks whiskey and jumps into the water. I do that every Saturday. motherfucker. That is a badass. He, they're change machines. Ah, yes, Aquaman, uh, great intellect among our group. Please tell us about these alien boxes. They're ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, rant over. No, this is what this podcast is all about. I love how we Dr. Stone meets his end by, I had no idea what was actually happening, but I guess it makes sense at the end. He superheats the, there was a line of dialogue that really fucking cracked me up when, uh, was his name Dr. Yang, maybe? who works with someone. i don't know the character's name apparently he becomes someone in the comics too but it's not uh, important I, here <laughs> he said something about they're looking at this they're looking at something the the box and uh they're talking about superheated metal <clears throat> and he turns to silas stone and says is batman involved in all this and it was the most out of place piece of dialogue ever and i have i still don't know what the it, picture right yeah but what does that have to do with anything i don't know he just says they're talking about something completely different in electron lasers. And he says, is Batman involved? And I was like, huh? Anyway, that, that whole science star lab stuff is insane. And then it ends with Dr. Stone superheating a box, thereby lasering himself to death. Dr. Manhattan's himself. He like dissolves. Yeah. 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 I was like, what the fuck is going on? And it was only 20 minutes later when we learned that he had very, you know, graciously sacrificed himself to superheat the box so that they could, trace its heat signature all anywhere on the globe and we learn that steppenwolf has set up his base where chernobyl oh it seemed like a fictional version of chernobyl i don't i didn't i don't think it is i don't know if it is chernobyl or not it seemed like a fictional version i think could have been do they ever i don't think they ever say chernobyl if they didn't it was heavily hinted so much so that it's, it's i mean that's the only place it could be if it's a real like, life location like they said they said like central Russia or they made some reference to Ukraine. Yeah. And they mentioned the nuclear disaster 30 years ago. Oh, okay. And so that's pretty, I mean, it's fucking Chernobyl. And so our final fight scene takes place at Chernobyl. And we're, here's a question for you. We're, was I supposed to have some sort of emotional investment in that jet that Batman could not get flying? And then they, fi- so. they finally get flying at the end. Like they kept coming back to, Man, we hope we can get this thing to fly. She man, wants to fly. I she hate wants that. to fly, man. And uh, Cyborg's like, man, I just got it. It's a software thing, and I just got to get in there. And then, like, it rises out of the lake or whatever, all like heroically. And I'm like, is this is this jet like in the comics or something? Am I supposed Not to? I know. Of, I don't know. Okay. I don't read a lot of Justice League. Like I said, honestly, <laughs> I don't know if I, they have their own jet. I just <laughs> Most wrote, of them don't need a jet; they can fly. Yeah, I was like, oh, bat jet. Okay, sure, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, we get major showdown in Chernobyl for the end. Uh, everybody gets new suits as they do in DC comics, uh, or DC movies. I thought back to like Batman's suit is kind of like black and silver. And I was thinking about George Clooney suit from Batman and Robin. 
those goggles, man. It's Night Owl. When you put the yeah. goggles on, he looks oh, like yeah. Night Owl from Watchmen, yeah. which is uh, also Snyder. Uh, also Snyder, yeah. Um, so I like the George Clooney comparison, though. I do prefer yeah. his. I like his Batman v Superman slash first half of the movie suit. I like the idea of a cloth suit. Yeah, it really doesn't have that much armor because it's all about him being quick, not right. about him like taking a bullet. Yeah. Um, what have we not talked about here? Uh, I, I do want to ask you had aquaman already come out when this movie came out no aquaman was after this so maybe the same year or maybe it was the year after am i supposed to know who willem dafoe was playing and am i supposed to know who amanda heard amber heard was playing uh i actually still don't know who he's playing because i haven't seen aquaman and he wasn't in the original cut of justice league or the other cut and i I mean i know mira from the comics but the only reason i know is like oh a redhead who's like likes the queen that's definitely mira <laughs> yeah i'm like okay obviously you know maybe that's a love interest it's a little bit of, we got a little bit of an ariel from the little mermaid vibe going on here that's fun <laughs> um but like he's aquaman is looking at a statue and suddenly willem defoe's there and i'm like huh what did i i'm like thinking about i legitimately was thinking did i drink too much and i forgot a scene <laughs> nope no, just hey, let's throw Willem Dafoe in here. Why not? Let's pay him a bunch of money. I'm sure they paid him a ton of money. No idea, but he was in there for about he was two scenes and three minutes. Um, Martian Manhunter. That's a person whose name I know. He was apparently in this movie. He did not want anything to do with Steppenwolf or Darkseid, though, and he showed up to talk to Lois Lane at one point, and then showed up to talk to Bruce Wayne. At one point, he pounds lighter, Bruce Wayne, because that was right. a reshoot. <laughs> yeah, he, I, that's what it was. That's what it was, wasn't it? Even I, the, po- the final apocalypse scene, his mask is way too big for him because that was the reshoot and he's no longer Batman shape. Oh my God. It makes total sense. I, because he I looks kept, so different in that scene. You're like, what the I heck? kept, I kept his thinking, arms are like tiny compared like, to the other movie. I was like, what's the different? Like, I thought there was some sort of CG going on, maybe, and they, Messing with him the same way that I heard rumor about a fake Superman mustache from when he was filming Mission Impossible. Apparently, that was not- all the reshoots um, were done under Whedon, and he reshot like an hour of the footage in the original Justice League is all Whedon, um, and all of his shots were during Mission Impossible, and it was in his contract he couldn't shave his Mission Impossible mustache, yeah. so they CGI'd over it, and you should look for footage of it. Well, it's actually, terrifying. It's yeah. the ba- we call it the baby lip. Like, I remember, it doesn't move like a normal lip. I definitely remember reading articles and stuff about this and cracking up and just thinking, what a clusterfuck of a movie. I'll never watch this. And, and it's so funny I, that just this week, we've been waiting forever, just this month behind the scenes footage finally came out that shows him shooting a scene with his Mission Impossible mustache. Oh, You're seeing that. Superman on set in the uniform with the mustache. That's awesome. I love it. Couldn't they have like, did they like paint it? Maybe they just uh, they CGI like, or like rubbed it away. And then they didn't like, they replaced the lip, but it doesn't look humanly natural. That's so weird. Um, yeah, let's talk about Superman a little bit in this movie. He, they exhume his body <laughs> because I don't know. I mean, he died in Batman Superman, but he has rocks floating above his casket, but he was dead and he required two men to exhume him. He couldn't levitate more than just those pebbles, I'm guessing. But he was, in fact, dead, yes? Yes. And they used the mother box. Conveniently, it brings people back to life. It's a change Turns machine. Turns the smoke back into a house. 
yeah okay and i was like okay whatever that's fine so uh they i love that they acknowledge the absurdity of two men who have superpowers standing in his grave with a shovel flash goes you know we could do this in like five seconds right and he's like yeah just keep digging okay so you're acknowledging this is stupid okay as long as you know it's fucking stupid (laughs) continue continue please sir so Superman comes back and he kind of does the Bobby Boucher shows up to the game at the halftime and uh, rescues everybody and stuff like that. Um, he smells good too. And even sm- though he just yeah. came out of the ground. Right. So weird. But look I at some- corpse Lois. <sighs> or that dirty yeah. water on the ship. <laughs> right. What? It's very sad that uh, Martha, the living Martha, Martha Kent, she had to foreclose on her house. I have a problem though. Because and the Bruce Wayne fix it just like the last movie. <laughs> he fixed it at the end. But here's my issue is what kind of mortgage did they get on this house? Because did they go 15 year, 30 year? How long have they been living in this house? Because they should have probably been able to pay this off at some point, right? I Again, nitpicky, but they probably should have paid this off already if they were making payments. And this is the same house that Clark Kent lived in when he was a boy, They've been there about 30 years. You would think that this house is paid off or maybe Bruce would have helped out or maybe she got a life insurance settlement when Clark died, saving people, set up a GoFundMe. I don't know, but hey, we need it. <laughs> we need a convenient reason for Martha Kent to not be here anymore. So let's uh, let's have her foreclose. So later on in the movie, when um, uh, Lois is talking to Superman and they, they, he's alive they go back to uh kansas and they're like this is like when he decides that he's like he's back baby he's like standing out in the cornfield and she walks over to him and he she she's trying to explain what happened to his mom and stuff and i wrote down in my notes lois explains mortgages (laughs) because that's a scene that we need in this movie where she's trying to talk about why the foreclosure happened and i'm like god they are just going to so many lengths to just not have martha here anymore and I still don't know what purpose that served in the plot because that wasn't her in Metropolis talking to Lois. That was Martian Manhunter in disguise. Yeah, no, that's what's one of the weird things too. The Joss Whedon's Justice League like had like at least five minutes of that her actual character, not her being pretending to be Martian Manhunter, having conversations with Lois and stuff. So when she drove away with the U-Haul, where did she go? Maybe she's a scroll. <laughs> yeah, scrolls. Awesome. I love it. Anyway, a little bit of a, it doesn't matter ultimately because this movie's insane, but a little, just a, just poking holes, poking holes in the ship. Let's talk to conclude this, Nick, about the nightmare scene at the end. Can we? Yes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do with this movie in any way. The, the concept of a nightmare scene is interesting. We talked about this in the other episode where we discussed just in general, Hey, uh, you know, if you have an idea or you want to see your character fall asleep and dream about what this would be like, that's fine. That's interesting. Cool. But we determined that it was shot as a marketing piece so you can make action figures and show it in the trailer. And you bet your ass that's exactly what they did. This nightmare scene, I have no fucking clue why it's here because it's not interesting. It's not compelling. It doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie. It alludes to some scene that we'll never see from some storyline or some plot point that we'll never know about. It's supposed to tie into not even the second movie, but the third movie. 
Second movie is going to be Legion of Doom. Third movie is going to be Darkseid showing up. Lois Lane getting killed under Batman's watch. And Superman starting to work for Darkseid. I sleep. I refer you to the meme. I sleep. I just, I just, who the fuck was the guy playing the Flash? That could not have been Ezra Miller. That's the and same I, guy, but they made him look up. That's remember that's how he looked in the stupid vision for Batman yeah, and Superman yeah. before they actually determined it. He also had like that bad facial hair and like ponytail and the Lex Luthor footage. But then for Justice League, they're like, let's clean him up. <laughs> yeah, I, I acknowledge that a character can change their appearance, but he looked like a completely different actor. Did they just? Let I Ezra assumed Miller... it was the same actor, but it really doesn't have any dialogue in this one. Uh, yeah, so. which is weird. You'd think that one of the Justice League guys would have his dialogue. So now this... all the dialogues for the Joker. Yeah. Oh my God! What an idiotic monologue that was. Why? Why any of it? First of all, it looks like I have a his hair and makeup and just the costume is so stupid to me. It looks like he was eating too much ass and it started to bleed, and now he has bloody ass mouth. That's what his, that's what he looks like. Uh, and I, I don't know if this is supposed to be some like alternate timeline version of the Joker, but allegedly Jared Leto's Joker had tattoos on his face and the damaged one and that sort of stuff. Those are gone because apparently this, this, we don't, continuity is not a thing here. We don't worry about that. Um, and he just goes on and on with this insane monologue, which I get, you know, he's, supposed to make batman break his vows and promise to kill him one day or whatever but i'm gonna fucking kill you i told harley quinn i'd fucking kill you but he doesn't i do like that batman line where he's like as i held harley quinn in my arms i promised her that i would fucking kill you but but we don't see it no we never will no we never will you know and that's a major i think a major issue in filmmaking and one of the one of the core things that they say that you shouldn't do is if a character is going to talk about something, don't, don't talk about it. Show it, show, show the audience, show the audience. That's, don't, that's what the medium's for. Yeah. Don't use expositional dialogue to talk about what did happen and what could have happened and what, what and it's just, I, I get it. They're reshoots. We, we need a little something snappy for the justice league. Don't you want to see a little bit more Jared Leto? And that's all this and is stroke. For no reason. <laughs> no, for no reason. Hey, let's get uh, Joe no. Mangeliano in here and uh, let's have him, I don't know, have two different hairstyles in 10 minutes. And I, ju- I just don't care about it. And I watch watching once again, people on Twitter and heroic Hollywood talking about how amazing that scene was. And I'm like, boy, I must've been watching something else. Because well, and then people are like, this is the best interaction we've ever seen in live action. It's like, have you seen the dark Knight? Have yeah, you seen exactly. the interrogation scene or even the final scene where he's hanging upside down in yeah. the dark night? <laughs> he sits on the hood of a car in monologues. How can yeah. you sit here and tell me that's incredible? It's not. It's idiotic. And if you need any proof, any evidence that this is just Zack Snyder and the gang trying to pull one over on you, please tell me where all the the Jesus figure stuff and the, the crown of thorns and all that and the uh what was the they're in like a psych ward and he's got the out the the nurse's outfit on and he has like the mask around his neck or whatever did that appear no that's in the movie i i was so stupid it's for marketing it's just for marketing they're shooting stuff to hype you up which to bring it full circle makes me go back to the question my fiance and i were talking about last night what does it mean to be a good movie if you shoot things only for the marketing of it what is your point in the in the 
in the end, are you just trying to do marketing? Are you just trying to make money? Well, that's weird because this movie didn't even go to the box office. So I'm sure HBO paid a nice bit of money to show this, but they're also owned by the same parent company. So probably not that much. Well, HBO Max is is Warner Brothers Plus. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're all it's all the oh, same. So company, they didn't so pay it's... anything to show it, but they did give him seventy million dollars to finish it on that's... top of the money it's already lost at the box office, the other cut, which is where we're like, well, how is this profitable in the end? And I will say about the Joker, I know why that's there. Joss we I mean not Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder knows this is his last DC movie and he wanted to use the Joker. So he's like, I'm gonna write a scene where I get to use the Joker before they One, kick before they take away the DC toys out of my hands. Once Which, again, it's Zack Snyder's ego. It doesn't yeah. serve it doesn't serve the story. And also I'm I'm reminded now that in the order of this movie, like literally you have scene and scene and scene, and you put them in the order that you think they should go in chronologically. Why why put this scene where it was? Like, why not make this the end of the movie or make this like, couldn't you have just filmed Bruce Wayne waking up as a dream again? They didn't do that in this one. Did they, they did. Didn't they? Didn't he wake up and then saw Martian Manhunter? Then it was over. Oh, is that how this? Yeah, one? I is think that- so. He has that sequence and then he wakes up super skinny. <laughs> he walks outside to see Martian Manhunter. Gotcha. And Martian Manhunter is like, I give a shit now. And then flies off. All right. I'll be in the next movie. I promise you. Wink. Wink. Yeah. Uh, wh- one thing that now that I'm thinking about it, by the way, I'll, I'll concede that I might have been wrong there, by the way. I got no problem with that. So uh, one thing I do have a question about is when when Steppenwolf dis- discovered that the anti-life equation was on Earth, I had no idea what was going. That was right in the middle of the movie. It was in part four. OK, and there's like a scene where maybe it's like Steppenwolf is asleep or something. He touches the two mother boxes or something. And they show him a vision. I think that's what okay. There you go. Is that what happened? Cause I was I like, think wait, that's what happened. Yeah. He like, he's like, well, he touches them and then he sees the anti-life equation on the ground or whatever shit. Yeah. He seems like an Omega signal or Omega symbol on the ground. And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? And then there's suddenly a new MacGuffin in the middle of the movie. We've got the three mother boxes, but also the anti-life equation, which now the you planet really dark side somehow forgot about, like, it's like they couldn't find it again after they left. Did you guys not keep records or like star maps or uh, <laughs> somebody write this down on a tablet somewhere. That's one of the things I found weird. It's like, I found the planet you've been looking for. And it's like, how do you lose track of the planet? <laughs> Also, Kate, Especially one yeah. where you got your ass whipped on. Wouldn't that be the one you'd want to go back to first yeah, you, when you have an army? You would think about that. And so I also have a question about how that pertains to the mother boxes. So the there's only three, correct? Like they don't just have like a minute. They don't have mother boxes in a warehouse somewhere, right? In the comics, it's different. Just like the Cosmic Cube is not an infinity stone in the comics. Okay, so... The movie presents it as three mother boxes. I don't know the actual, all the origins so of it. If they, so the three mother boxes, they put them together and it kills everything on a planet have they just really ground to a halt in terms of killing other planets since the mother boxes got left on earth have they just been unable to conquer i think they've been doing it the old-fashioned way okay just uh armies and killing guys yeah and the anti-life equation uh also allows them to no it it's kind of like getting all the infinity stones where when you have it uh, the guys in Breaking Geek claim they explain it in the movie, but I don't remember it being explained. And I watched it twice. I just I recognize the name from the comics and being a DC fan. I was like, 
Cool, they mentioned it, but it's, oh, it's yay, a fan service. It's supposed to turn everyone in the universe into a mindless slave for Dark Side. Like takes away everyone in the universe's free will. Okay, but it is just a a glyph in the ground. I don't is know. it like an equation that's in a TI eighty two calculator? Don't know. Or... <laughs> don't know that much about it. Okay, it's just well, always associated with Dark Side in the comics. Honestly, from somebody who doesn't read the comics, it seems fucking idiotic to me. But what do I know? I don't, I don't know really... enough about the comics to defend yeah, it. That's, so. Again, it comes back to this me with just I... like a reference, like an Easter egg where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like what I said about you set up your universe's rules, right? And then you stick to them. We had 10 movies where we built up the infinity stones. We damn near had one movie per stone where these characters are fiddle fucking with this infinity stone and it changes the course of that movie and this one. And they all kind of come together. And then we get a little expo- exposition in the beginning of Infinity War when Wong talks about what the, and this is like the third time we've had an Infinity Stone expositional dialogue yeah. where, hey man, these are just, you know, the, uh, the way that the universe is put together and these stones and here's what could happen. And it they don't just try to cram it into 15 minutes of, hey, here's why this guy wants this. They took a bunch of time to build it up. And if, if we could have had other movies where we introduce Flash and the concept of mother boxes, uh, or I love the idea of World War, World War I era, the fucking, you know, the Germans in World War I are trying to unearth one of the mother boxes and Diana stops them and takes control of it. And now she's watching over the mother box in her uh, museum in present day and that's why that matters and meanwhile fucking somebody else discovers the anti-life equation and like there's ways that they could have done this but it's all rushed and it's all crazy and uh, you know you've got to suspect that the reason they did this was to rush these movies to the box office so that they could make money but, and try to catch up with Marvel, honestly. Yeah, but that's that why, like, did, we need to get our Justice League out. Look, forget, exactly. forget explaining these characters before that movie. We're but behind. Look how the, we need to get the Justice League. They have two Marvel. Yeah. There's already two Avengers movies. Quick. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I get that. They're I releasing totally their versus that. movie. We got to release our versus movie in the same year. And man, they fucking blew it. They blew it so hard because not only were the movies bad, like they were so bad, like word of mouth was awful. They were both box office disappointments and they shot their own dick off so much so that there's already, as we know, another iteration of Batman on the way that's completely unrelated starring Robert Pattinson. And, you know, the DCEU, as we know, it is dead. I mean, I guess Shazam exists and there's a black, black, there's a black Adam movie. Yeah. but Aquaman 2 is gonna be an Aquaman spinoff. But what is it? Trench. How does any like they just don't the Flash care. is gonna have two Batman in it? They that's the, they just don't give a rat's ass. They just want to push stuff to the box office and hopes that their army of goons on Twitter and at Heroic Hollywood will push the agenda to go make Walter Hamada money. I guess that's the master plan here. It sure it sure as hell isn't to make good content. And that's where I leave it. So what would you, what review would you give it? Here's my 10 word review. There's I mean, a good move. There's a good movie here, but it should have been more like six good movies. I give it a two out of five, two out of five. That's yeah. what I was looking for a star review. And I like your 10 sentence review as well. There you go. Cool. So what did actors, you learn from this adventure? <laughs> not to trust DC. 
not to trust DC. I'm going to unfollow Heroic Hollywood on all platforms because I just can't take it anymore. It drives me fucking bonkers crazy. Um, I, I think you said this on Twitter. I don't mean to put words in your mouth and feel free to edit this out if you want to, but I think you likened them to like Trump people. I have likened uh, Snyder trolls definitely to yeah, uh, dude. It's the same. It's it's a cult following, and they're rude to anyone that doesn't believe exactly what they believe. Exactly, and they won't go away. Is the main comparison. It's like this is just this is giving a mouse a cookie. That's why they're asking to restore the Snyderverse and give us the I Air cut or Iyer cut, which is Suicide Squad cut. And David Ayer responded, and he said, "Why not?" And I'm like, "Oh my fucking god, here we go again." And I and the reason why not is let's see if this movie let's see how much money this movie loses. (laughs) Exactly, dude. And it's so it's so fucking complicated with the the James Gunn version of suicide squad coming that's, that's the prob- real reason you shouldn't do the iron cut it's like instead and jammer is like also why not we've been typing on slack and i'm like I, this, that- I, I didn't have a good reason this should have been the reason i'd rather they invest money in movies that could be good than spend it trying to fix bad movies a hundred percent you like, ha- give us my- this new james gunn suicide squad don't recut the other yeah, suicide squad I'm, I'm in man i'm fucking in if you james if gunn you- yeah, it's polka done. dot man <laughs> and i and i'm gonna trust him and then hey we're gonna do the peacemaker show on hbo max Fuck cool. yeah james gunn all in I, i'm in because there's so, if you start it from scratch and you do it the right way from the beginning i'm intrigued but going back and tugging yourself off to try to rectify a mistake that you previously made that doesn't work for me you get one shot you get one shot that's fucking it I don't want to hear about it. So yeah, fuck you, David Ayer. I said it. No, we're not going to see an air cut of Suicide Squad. That's a, a completely ridiculous idea. I bet James Gunn would go fucking nuclear if if they said that, if they even entertained the idea. Because can you imagine the discourse online between which one are you seeing and which one do you prefer? Warner Brother would probably love it because it would be, you know, it's the whole... Uh, any any news is good news kind of a thing or any publicity is good publicity but you'd have these two dueling banjo versions it's deep impact and armageddon but it's the same title and some of the same characters (laughs) which one do i see and and you know if the theaters open there's a lot of people out there that only can only see one movie a month yeah or a couple a year even yeah if you're a family or whatever (laughs) the whole situation is completely insane and I'm, there's a part of me that's, I'm, I'm glad that I had washed my hands of it and never even saw these movies in the first place. And there's a part of me that wishes I could unsee what I've seen now and be apart from it all. But, but then you know, you'd be curious again. You'd have to do the podcast again. I know. And I'll do it again, Nick. I will do it again. I make this vow to, uh, to shoulder this burden and watch these bad movies for the sake of the podcast and for uh, LRM. Sounds good. I'm sorry it wasn't fun, but let's hey, wrap her up, right? I was, yeah, I was drinking whiskey at the time, so that was cool. I had beer the second time I watched it, which is probably why I liked it more. I was slamming Jim Beam, frankly. <laughs> Surprised you remember the end. I wouldn't if I was fully on drinking. Yeah. So where can people reach out to you and tell you that you're right or wrong? Come come talk shit to me on Twitter, at Brandon. There, pretty active. Uh, DM me, slide in the DMs at me, do whatever you want. And I'm at Geeky Nick Doll. And yes, this is a very special episode of Breaking Geek. The whole gang, I think except for Jammer, will be back 
for this week's uh he's getting his he gets a vaccine so he'll be getting that instead of talking with us but yeah um with that um how we sign off on breaking it great of the podcast is i say hasta lasagna don't get any on you <laughs> no i no, normally no, i'll just say that normally brandon says Asa lasagna, and I said, "Don't get any on you." Rule to the Mission Impossible fans. But then ah. Amber says, "Mission accomplished," like that silly line in the fourth film. But yeah, Jeez. that's the show, everyone. Have a good one. Take it easy. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbocasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.